I'm excited to share the next part. So it's 1 Timothy 4, and it's on a good servant of Christ. And I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. There's only 16 verses, but I'm doing that because I know that some of you probably haven't read your Bible the whole week, and there's no judgment there. I just know that it happens, right? And so I'm going to read all um, the whole chapter, and I'm going to pull out 10 points um, that, or 10 instructions that Paul gives to Timothy. And then I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one, and 10 sounds like a lot, so I want you to, as I'm going through it, try and keep, try to think of three, hold on to three that you want to implement into your life this week. Because Timothy, um, so Paul writes to Timothy, and it's a personal letter. And I think some people are like, if it's personal, isn't it just for Timothy? And even though it's personal, it's not a private letter. Paul wrote knowing that Timothy was going to read this to the church. And he knew that he wanted the, also the people that are following Timothy to also follow these instructions. So these instructions are for us today. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, you can go to 1 Timothy 4. Looks so small there. Okay, so now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences has, are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that um, everyone learn them. Don't let everyone, anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Okay, so there is so much in this passage, and there's, there's so much truth that we need to hold on to. So even then, he was saying they were living in the last days. How crazy is that? Like Jesus just gone up to heaven very recently, and he's saying we're living in the last days. So how much more are we living in the last days? So we need to be on guard. And then it says there, that people will turn away from the faith. So he's saying this is just a fact, that people are turning away from the faith. And this wasn't 
the theology of salvation. He wasn't saying, he's not talking about being an Arminian or a Calvinist. Can you lose your salvation? He's not talking about that. He's just saying that people were turning away from their faith. And he was saying that just because you say you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that you are a Christian. So maybe it was all words that were coming out of your mouth and your actions weren't aligning with that. And then it's easy to fall away from the faith if it isn't something that's happened deep in your heart. And then he's saying they and teachings that come from demons. Okay, so this is quite harsh because if we think that some of these false teachers were actually leaders in the church, he wasn't saying that now they're following the occult and now they're following Satan. He's saying that they have been deceived by Satan. And I think that's very important because we can be very proud and we can think, I can't be deceived. I am walking in the truth. But it is so easy to be deceived. So a few years back, it was like years and years, I think even before we had our kids, you know, you get these phone calls and they say, oh, you've won a holiday. And you're like, okay. And they say, you have to come because we want to take photos and we want to give you your prize. And I was like, is this timeshare? No, it's not timeshare. I promise you it's not timeshare. So Paul and I get in the car and we drive all the way to Madrand in traffic like on a Friday afternoon or something at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And we get there and they usher us into a conference room and it's a timeshare presentation. (laughs) It was so irritating. I was so angry. Like the guy just saw the scowl on my face the whole time. He was like, what's wrong? I was just like, you lied to me. And he was like, you know how smart they are with their words? And he was really trying to to get, dig himself out of the grave that he, that he dug for himself. But we did not, we were not happy. But that's just a silly example of how easy it is to be deceived, okay? So we need to be careful because these teachings weren't coming from non-Christians. They were being led astray by other Christians. So these people looked like them. We can be deceived. Little, just going off the mark a little bit, like, can lead you very, very, very far off the mark. So we really need to be careful and we need to know what we believe. Um, Because if Judas, if you think of Judas that walked with Jesus, he ate with Jesus, he slept next to Jesus, he spent three years just so close with him and he was still able to be deceived. So we can't be proud. We need to realize that we can also be easily deceived. And the thing is with the devil, he is, um, he's not a, oh, sorry, I'm going again. I'm fast forwarding. Okay, so then the next verse is, um, so I think it's the NIV that says, whose consciences, so their consciences have been seared like a hot iron. So what happens when our consciences are seared? We become numb to the truth. And that's really scary because we can, we just become numb to what's right and what's wrong. And we become desensitized to the things of God. And I think that's such a scary place to be in when we're not even aware that. We're not walking in God's truth. So we need to be careful. This is a big warning for us. We must look for the small compromises in our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those compromises in our lives. And this question is quite to observe the church today. What deviations from biblical truth would trouble him? So what are the things in our church that he would be like, oof, that's not not cool, like you shouldn't be doing that. But we don't know those things unless we know the word. We need to know what we believe. So the devil isn't against doctrine. He is against true doctrine. So 
So if he can just warp our beliefs just a little bit, then he knows that he can catch us. So we really need to know what we believe. In verse 3, it says, They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created these foods to be eaten with thanks. So they were also, they were saying, um, it was a, a ascetism, what is it? My words are stuff. Where they believe that you cannot get married. That it's like dying to yourself. You can't, then the Jewish beliefs where you can't eat certain foods. And it was, so those were the things that were deviating from God's plan. Because what does the word say about marriage? It's good. So if you're saying that something in the word is bad, yes, the newlyweds, where's, where's? It's good. Marriage is good. And now they're saying that marriage is bad. Okay, so if you're going against what God is saying, then that is false doctrine. And we need to receive these good things that God has given us with thanks. So how do we not become one of these people that will fall away from the faith? How will we be stick strong to our faith and be a good servant of Christ? Okay, so then... Um, Paul is going into these are the uh, 10 things that we need to do so that we're not one of those people that will be deceived and fall away. It says, if you explain these things in verse 6 to brothers and teachers, brothers and sisters, sorry, that's talking about the teaching, um, Timothy's responsibility to teach, you'll be a worthy servant of Christ, one who is nourished by the message of faith. So they had a lot of sayings in the early church and this nourished by the message of faith was an expression to describe everything about the gospel. It's all our traditions and beliefs um, true to the Christian faith and doctrine. And then he says, we must be nourished by the good teaching. What we believe about Christ will nourish Okay, so our Christian teaching involves reminding ourselves and others of the truth because we sometimes ignore it and we sometimes forget it. And this is why every Sunday we come and we listen to the word and why we go to life group so that we can remind ourselves of these truths. We've got sound teaching in this church. So we just need to keep reminding ourselves and encouraging each other to stick to the good teaching. It's pointless just sitting here and receiving it and not living it out. And then he says, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. How often do we find ourselves in arguments that don't actually really matter? Let's not waste time. He says that is a waste of time. If it's not making you more godly, if it's not making you more Christ-like, don't waste time arguing over it. Then he says, train yourself to be godly. He says, your energy should be on vigorous training to be godly. So what is godliness? It's right belief and obedient action. Okay, so the right belief, we need to know what we believe. In our heads, in our hearts, we need to know what we believe. But it's pointless if it's just head knowledge and we're not doing it. It needs to be that obedience to Christ. We need to be obedient. God-likeness. What is your character like? Are you, are you growing in God-likeness? Are you growing in his character? Donald Whitney says that godliness is closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ. So intimacy, intimacy with Christ can only come from time spent with him. How much time are you spending with God every day? Those who manifest godliness that promise eternal life are authentic believers. So if we want to be authentic believers, not like these false teachers in the, in the first verses, if we want to be authentic believers, we have to 
show godliness in our lives. So then he says, we need to train in godliness. And training is hard, right? Um, Do you spend more time physically training or training for godliness? Do you spend more time in the gym or training for godliness? Because we need to spend time. And he says, and this verse, it says, verse 8, physical training is good. I do it because I know that it's good for me. So I go to gym and I, I do it, but it's hard. And he says training for godliness is much better. So you know that Paul and I and Wes weren't here last week because we were at a CrossFit competition. So Jason was like, you have to show these people what you're doing. So this is a little highlights reel. And it's, I want to show you because if you look at our faces, We're not smiling all the time. It's hard. So, yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, so the point is, is that it's hard, and you don't always feel like it. Um, it's not always what you think it's going to be, and sometimes you feel like nothing's changed. So the previous week at the gym, I, we had to do this maximum as, uh, weight thing, okay, snatch, and I could do like 35 kgs, and I was like so happy, and I'm like, this is so easy, I can do it. And then at the competition, now I'm trying and I fail. And I try and I fail. And the MC, Warren, is trying to help me even though he's not supposed to help people. He's like, come on, just do this and do that. And I didn't do it. I failed. Time was up. He's like, 10 more seconds. You can do it. And I didn't. And the thing is, it's the same thing with spirituality. You can feel like you are hitting the mark. I was such a good mom today. I didn't lose my patience. And then... Ten minutes later, you shouted at your child. And that's what happens. And it's the same thing with physical training and with spirituality. You can feel like you're doing well, and then you can have three steps back. But the, pro- the thing is, is that it's hard. And we have to 
we have to put the time in. We need to put the effort in. In 2 Timothy, Paul uses three metaphors um, with spiritual training. And he says, a soldier, a farmer, and an athlete. All those things are hard things. And we're not talking about a veggie patch in the back garden, which is hard enough. Imagine being a farmer. Okay, so that is what he is comparing the spiritual life to. So we can't just have an idea that it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's hard. And we have to keep going. We need to keep applying ourselves to it. And it's not going to happen naturally. You're not going to all of a sudden be godly. Wouldn't it be nice? Okay, it takes time and it takes effort. But God has given us a plan. He's given us these are the things that you can put in your life so that you can and will become godly. Okay, so this is his training plan for us. The first one is prayer. And he said, Jesus says to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Our, we don't want to get up early and pray, do we? But Jesus knew that our flesh wants to win out. Okay, so, and he says, even one hour. And the one uh, theologian was saying, well, one hour, that should be the minimum. One hour a day. He's like, even one hour. And that's so challenging because we get busy and we don't, we don't want to put that time in. Okay, what are some of the other things that we need to do? Bible reading. We need, that's why we need to be, read our Bible as much as possible. Study, meditate, memorize, and apply it. Daily devotions. We've got version on our phone. We can... Any time of the day, we can just open up our phone. Our phone's with us all the time. Attending church. And then also, the men's camp, women's camps. I think some people are like, oh, no, I don't want to go to the ladies' event. You know, all they do is paint. Or there's all these excuses in the book. And the thing is, like Timothy, <laughs> like Timothy had, um, Paul's giving Timothy these instructions. And Paul's saying to Timothy, you have this responsibility to teach. And as a leadership, we feel that weight of responsibility. So when we're putting events together, we don't put them together because we're bored or because we have nothing better to do. We pray about it. The teams pray about it. They ask God, what do you want the people to learn in this time? So that, like, those are opportunities that you have to come and, and learn um, and just absorb Love and fellowship and um, just godliness, growing your godliness. So come to those things because um, that's a way to train for godliness. Fasting, taking your Sabbath. These are all spiritual disciplines that will help you in training for godliness. Life groups, that's where the life of the church happens. That's where your support happens. That's where your growth happens. That's where people can challenge you in your own weaknesses. And that's where you can really grow. Why? Because physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So what we do now has eternal value. It's present and future benefits. So the training is good. Physical training is good. It means you might lower your cholesterol. You're not going to have heart disease. You can lose some of that extra weight. It has benefits. You'll have more energy. But... Training for godliness, there's so many more benefits. It's not even just your family around you. It doesn't make you a better mother or wife or friend or child, daughter, 
co-worker, it, makes, it's, it has eternal value. Then he says, yeah, that's a, that holistic life that you, are, that, that you are going for. Then he says, this is a trustworthy saying. And he says it five times. Did you realize last week in um, Uncle Justin's um, uh, uh, sermon, <laughs> he also had that trustworthy saying, and Paul also um, said it in his sermon. And he was saying this is his stamp of authority. So what he's about to say is very important. And four out of the five times, he's actually talking about salvation. So, um, so this is the salvation that he's talking about. So he's saying, this is God's plan. And the eternal plan is Paul's reason for his ministry. It's everything that he does is because of God's eternal plan. It's for salvation. And that's why we train in godliness. He says, this is why we work and continue to struggle in verse 10. That struggle is still talking about training. It's still talking about that, that physical training, that struggle. It's going to be hard to, um, to train in godliness. And he says it's because of this hope. It's eternal life and the life to come. In Romans 8 verse 24 to 25, it says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. So when we train physically, we hope for all these changes in our lives and health to come to our life, but training in the things that you can't see for eternity, that's true hope. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. But then we don't wait in vain. Titus 1 verse 2 says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. So there's this promise of this eternal life that God has for us, and that is why we will train for godliness. He says, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. So I think when we read this, we think Timothy must have been like really young, but actually they think he was between 30 and 35 years old. So that's not really young, but even in the church at that time, the older people wouldn't have listened to him because they were like, oh, he's only 35. But then when we look back in history, we know that Josiah was only eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years. And there were 70 years before he took over that the nation was completely godless. So he had to turn a whole nation around at eight years old. Okay, so you're never too young. And then Abraham and Sarah... How old was Sarah when she had a baby? 90 or something. Is anyone 90 here? Okay, so your work is not done. If Sarah can have a baby when she's 90, because I also do hear some of the older people saying, no, it's fine, it's, it's the young people's turn to lead. It's the young people's turn to do everything. It's not. We will not retire until we get to heaven. And even in heaven, we're going to work. So please, we need every single generation because that's how God intended church to be. We want the young, we want the old, we want everybody in between, children, adults, everybody to be involved in the kingdom of God because God has a plan for you until the day that you die. Amen? Amen? Then he says, be an example to all believers. Now, I think this one is a hard one. Because I think this is often what gets us into the trap of being called hypocrites. Because we can often, we come to church, people know that we're Christians, and then sometimes our words don't always match up with what we, what we do. But he says, be a true example of what a believer can be. You are the pattern, you are the model. 
What are the words coming out of your mouth? Words are so important. Are you known for gossip or are you known for wisdom? Paul wanted Timothy to be known for a man of, to be a, of a man of wisdom and wise words. What do you want to be known for? And then your actions. How are you living? What is your general behavior like? Are you reflecting Christ in everything you do or are you actually being dishonoring to him? And then he says the way you love, your faith, and your purity. So these are inner traits. He must be a man who walked in sexual purity and integrity and purity of heart. And then the faith there wasn't talking about his belief, but it was actually his trustworthiness and his faithfulness. So are we faithful to what God has called us to do? Are we faithful? Are we trustworthy? When people think of us, do they think, hey, that person's trustworthy, I can trust her. And then we all know this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. We need to be the walking gospel. Then he says, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. So we need to read scripture. They obviously didn't have hard copies of the Bible. How blessed are we that we have Bibles everywhere? We have it on our phone. We, yeah, it's easily accessible. So we need to read. We need to read scripture aloud. We need to read scripture alone. We need to read scripture together with one another. And some people, they read Timothy and they say, no, this is just instructions on how to have a successful church and what should happen. But it's actually not. It's, it's how to live life. And it's, otherwise he would have included, you must do communion, you must do prayer, you must worship. But he doesn't. These things he is saying is this is how you combat false teaching. This is how you live in the word. This is how you live by the truth is by doing these things. So we need to read the word all the time. And then he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received. So we need to use our gifts. You may say, oh, I don't have a gift. But you do. When you give your life to the Lord and you are filled with the Spirit, God gives you a gift. And maybe you just don't know what that gift is. But it's asking the Lord to reveal those gifts to you. And it's often something that you already love doing. It's like, yeah. So we can pray with you you if you don't know your gift and you want God to to show that to you. But that's also worked out in community. People can recognize things that you are good at. And yeah, so be part of a life group because they will see those things. They'll be like, wow, you're actually a big, a great teacher. You know, like, I mean, Deirdre was studying at university and she didn't know what she wanted to become. And it was someone in her life group that said, you're a good teacher. And she's like, I've never taught in my life. And And she just recognized that gift in her life. And now she's an amazing high school teacher that everybody loves. The kids love her, right, Mrs. Stevenson? Yeah. So, yeah, work these things out because the kingdom of God is dependent on you. Then he says, give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so everyone will see your progress. So this is the thing. People need to see your progress. I think we can often feel like, no, I want to just be there. I'm there. I've made it. And, but it's not like that. We need to see the progress. Because if you think that you've made it, you really haven't. <laughs> okay, and we need to keep on growing and learning. There's so much to learn and so much to become. I mean, Christ is our example. So he says, throw yourself, give your complete attention. We have to be intentional. Keep, a, a watch, keep watch on how you live. People are watching you. People are watching you all the time. If you 
profess that you're a Christian. They know that you're going to church. They, they, they're watching you. They don't, we don't want to be known as hypocrites. We don't want to be known as you know, someone that has no conscience because um, it's, you know, we're just not aware of how our words and our actions are affecting people. We need our words and our actions to match. So we need to guard ourselves. Then why is this? Because he says you must stay true. That's the last verse. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. And this is the whole point, is that we need to outwork our salvation. It's not coming to Christ and being like, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm there. We need to work out our salvation. Christianity has this unfinished salvation plan that keeps going until the day we die. It's a sanctification that we need to follow. And it's not only for our own good, it's for the salvation of those around us. We need to have that in mind because people need to see what we have. They need to see the love of Christ. They need to see how we live our lives, see how different it is, and that should draw them in so that they can be saved. That is the bigger picture. So all these verses is about our salvation and the salvation of those around us. So I think the worship team can come up. I don't know if you guys can make that a bit bigger. It came out a bit small. But there are the 10 things that Paul is saying to Timothy, reminding him of, because these are all things that he's probably already taught him before. And he's reminding them, be nourished by the faith, nourished by the good teaching. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas. Train yourself to be godly. I think that should be everybody's number one. <laughs> but think of three that you want to focus on this week. Being an example. Do you, need, do you want to read scripture more this week? Are you going to really seek God and ask him what your gifts are? Because there's so much that we miss out on when we don't do these things. There's so much joy. There's so much security. When you know the truth, when you know who God's made you to be, you don't believe lies. Where's Dan anymore? Yeah. And this isn't to make you feel condemned or, oh, I haven't been doing this. We're all human, and we all sometimes take one step forward and three steps back, but that's why we have our community. To help us and to lead us and to guide us. And we need help, right? We need our help with the Holy Spirit. None of this can happen without Him. So I just want you to close your eyes. And just ask the Holy Spirit to just pinpoint what it is in your life that you need to ask God for because we can know the things that are good for us we know it's easier to do some things sometimes easier to to eat vegetables than eat chocolate because you know it's good for you 
But knowing that something is good for us, we need to, our, to put our flesh aside sometimes. Father, I just thank you that you know what's good for us. And sometimes we can be our worst enemies. And we can do things that we shouldn't be doing. And our flesh is just weak. We want to do, and even Paul said, that we, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. So I just pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would just help us. Help us to train in godliness. Help us to, to read our Bible. Help us to have a passion for the truth. Help us to have a passion for godly things, for walking in godliness. Because we know that you yeah, that eternal promise that we're working for that eternal promise of an eternity with you. Help us to build up those treasures in heaven. This life is temporary.